0: Today's episode is brought to you by Five Line Designs. Bring your brand to light with Five Line at Fivelinedesigns.com. Here at Five Line, we like to ask, What can we do for you? We're here to help you and your business grow from all angles, whether it's building the voice of your brand, redesigning your assets, or building out a website. Five Line is here to help you step your game up and beat out the competition. No matter what stage you're in, whether you're just starting, or you've been up and running for many years, make your next move your best move by working with FiveLine. You won't regret it. Schedule a meeting to see what we can do for you today at FiveLineDesigns.com. Welcome to the business grind, where we give you an inside perspective on what it takes to start, build, and run a successful business. Here are your hosts, Danny Shaw and Sean Michael Wellington.
1: Hello to everyone in podcast land today. Thanks for joining us, Sean. How are you feeling?
2: Feeling good and excited to have our first couple actually on the show this week.
1: Yes, yes, indeed. Yes, we've been trying, I feel like this has been a long time coming. So on today's episode, we will be speaking to the co-founders of Plant Based for You, Jason John and Monica John, a husband and wife duo. Uh, that is a vegetarian catering service. Uh, welcome to the show, Jason.
3: What's going on, y'all? All right, v- vegan. vegan.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, I was—you caught me. I, I was just about to say, uh, <laughs> correct me. Was the vegan is v- vegan, not vegetarian? right? Uh well,
3: we'll, we'll get into the differences and then. Let's, right? Let's, Let's get in. Let's get into it right, right away. Yeah. yeah. Oh, cool. So, okay, so a vegan is somebody. Who does not eat anything that has eyes, a mother, any kind of flesh? Uh, nothing, no dairy products. Mm-hmm. Uh, so free of dairy, free of meat, and free of traces of uh, of meat and dairy. Plant-based, plant-based. Okay, plant-based is a is a tricky one because it's basically a marketing name. Oh, uh, a marketing title. So when you say some something is plant-based. You're, you're saying that you eat vegetables mainly, but at times you may eat meat or at times you may eat dairy mm. or you don't eat meat or dairy at all. But mainly plant-based is used for marketing. Mm. And um, we call our company Plant-Based for You because it, we sell vegan products, all vegan products, no meat, no dairy, no anything. And you can add whatever we make or whatever you learn to make from one of our cooking classes, you can add that to your diet, whether you eat meat or whether you eat dairy or whether you don't eat any of that stuff at all. Mm-hmm. So um so yeah, so that and we make for certain clients, we started off doing all clients, but for certain clients, uh, we would make a menu specifically for them. So that's why it's plant based for you.
2: Now you said something really interesting there. You said our cooking classes now so just get us uh give us a little background on the scope of your business you're a you providing catering services and cooking classes like just tell us kind of all the offerings you have
3: yes yeah, so when we were in new york because uh, we moved to atlanta in uh at the beginning of 2019, end of 2018 uh when we were in new york we did we first started off doing cooking classes uh teaching people how to Create these meals that we learned how to do over the years. That was back in 2015, mm-hmm. and wife went full on vegan in 2012. Uh, I was already basically vegetarian, vegan since 1996, 1995, excuse me. So it was nothing new for me. But after my wife gave birth and she had some postpartum complications, she went to uh, a sister that many people in the, in the vegan community or even the spiritual community, uh, Queen of Hua. She went to see her and um she did a detox with her Mm
1: -hmm.
3: went through this whole thing and she felt so good her body felt so good postpartum after doing the detox she said i'm gonna stick with this all the way and then there was things that she found out about in terms of how to make certain foods that i didn't even know about because there's a there was this whole underlying movement going on for a few years before that that um that was pushing forward online and uh I got introduced to some things, and then I took my expertise and we molded it all together. So we started off doing cooking classes. Our first one was free; everyone loved it. Then we um, then we said, since everybody loved it, man, let's let's start having people pay for it. So we did a paid class, and nobody paid for a ticket. Nobody.
1: Paid for a ticket. <laughs> 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 well, hold on. can you can you hold that story? Okay, let's hold that L for just a minute. <laughs> And let's uh, let's uh, I I want to just kind of step back just a little bit to kind of give the uh, the lead up until even starting the business. Like how did that even come about? You and your wife and y'all had these discussions. And just for the audience out there, Monica will be joining us a little later in the episode, so she's still right. coming. But you know what led to the to the creation of the business in the first place? You know, prior well, to the cooking class and everything. Look, uh,
3: no, like I said, um, well, we we uh, we have to pay the rent. Uh, okay. <laughs> we had to pay the rent. Uh, we both weren't working at the at the time.
1: Mm, okay. And,
3: um, it wasn't, but it wasn't just to pay the rent. Clearly, mm. uh, it's something that we were mulling over for a little bit. Mm-hmm. How could we? You know. Oh, okay. Uh, thank you. I, I'm glad you asked that question. So we would post this stuff on Facebook. Everything that we could, we would post on
1: Facebook.
3: Mm-hmm. Around 2013. And, uh, people were like, man, y'all should sell that. Oh, what's the recipe? Man, y'all should sell that. Oh, what's the recipe? And we'd be like, oh, uh, I don't know. We, we, That's not what we do. I'm a photographer. My wife's a fashion designer. a cold fashion designer, by the way. Mm-hmm. And, um, and eventually, you know, she got tired of the fashion industry and all the, and all the drama that went behind mm-hmm. and be employed by it. Mm-hmm. I was freelance photographer, but a lot of the club I, you know I was working at nightlife and doing my own thing on the side, having city contracts, on and so forth. Mm-hmm. But like any business, when you're up, you're up, and when you're down.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, so we said, let's form our own business because we have a child. We want to leave something behind for her, first of all. Second of all, uh, we want to show her up front how a business can be run. So when she gets older, she doesn't have to work for anybody else. Mm-hmm. That and we wanted to introduce to the world and show our people. We would look around in our neighborhood and see uh, that people were either interested in eating better or they had no clue on how. Mm-hmm. So we wanted to be teachers as well. This all this whole thing started off as as a education piece more than anything else. It wasn't really about uh, trying to turn people. We we realized and we noticed how uh, people who are quote unquote vegans or vegetarians can come across a bit obnoxious mm-hmm. <laughs> about. Um, Not eating animals, you know, Mm -hmm. chaining to trees, uh, you know, throwing throwing uh, red paint on people who wear fur, Mm -hmm. things like that. We're far from any of that. Uh, So that's really what led up to that. We wanted to. And on top of that, uh, as a as a black person in this world or specifically in America, why you want to better your diet has nothing to do with why uh, other people who are non-black want to better their diets. They, mm. Their perspective is completely different. So, yeah, that's the basis of
1: it.
2: Okay. No, definitely. Okay, you touched on something really interesting that I kind of want you to elaborate a little more is the educational aspect of your business. You know, mm. you uh, even, you know, we kind of indicated in the beginning, some people don't know the difference between a vegan and a vegetarian. Some people mm. don't know why veganism is right for them, things of that nature. So I know you know the answer to all those questions, and you and your wife discovered that through your journey. But can you talk to how you were able to Educate your customer base because I feel like that may have been a struggle
3: You educate them through the classes. Uh, I would say about 90% of the people who attend our cooking classes possibly more are Meat eaters. Mm. They're not they're not vegetarians. We don't market to vegans or vegetarians. We're we're like uh, Impossible Foods and Beyond Meat vegans and vegetarians don't really mess with us too heavy like that Um, We more so get people who just want to improve their diets Along with whatever exercise regimen mm-hmm. they have, along with whatever type of meditation or spiritual uh, uh, regimen they have, so right. uh, th- those are the th- that's the way to do it. The, the classes are the best way that we found so far. Along with Instagram, along with Facebook, along with whatever else we may put out there, but that in person, it's you could turn a few people from. Instagram and Facebook to the classes, but uh, a majority of what you're going to get is word of mouth and and uh, The other would be I would say social media um, I would say 95% would be word of mouth at least for where we are right now,
1: right?
3: Yeah, from from our past and today uh, Most of it, but then actually meeting people and networking with people.
2: Yeah, and do you find it hard on the social media aspect to find qualified customers versus, you know, the mm. people around who will throw up likes and comments, but not necessarily mm. fully engage in your product?
3: Yes. yes. Service.
2: Service. Sorry, not product because you're a service brand. Oh, is. no, both. Yeah, both.
3: Both. Yeah. Yes, it's much harder online. Uh, it's mostly through your friends. At least it's mostly through our friends, I should say. I can't speak for other people because uh, other people are better at turning over from the Internet. Uh, we're not as skilled at that. But a lot of it has come through, like we did a baby shower for a friend and that turned like two or three clients because they like the food so much. So yeah, so we don't, we post on social media to stay relevant on it, uh, but we're not at the point yet where we could say, okay, if we have a cooking class of 10, five of those people are going to be from, from Instagram. Mm -hmm. If we, usually our cooking classes are 10 people total. And I would say one or two of those people might be from my IG or Facebook. Yeah. I, th- I think
1: that's so interesting, you know, the point about the meat eaters are, you, are the biggest, you know, most of the client base, right? That's um, always interesting because it's like what we assume the clients would be as opposed to who they actually are. right? Was there any preconceived notion prior on who they would be? Or it was just like, we're just going to no. do it in... No,
3: no. You know why? Because, uh, and I've witnessed this throughout um, since the 90s, so when you bring your, your vegan or vegetarian dish to a cookout or a, uh, or a, a get-together, mm-hmm. and it's not clearly identified as vegan or vegetarian, mm-hmm. so I can make like a vegan mac and cheese, right? Or I can make some salad just, that just looks bomb, or I can make one of my pies that you wouldn't even know like what exactly is in it. Mm-hmm. Then uh, people are just going to eat it because it looks good. And then they're really going to eat it because it tastes good. Uh, And they'll run through it and not even know it's vegan. It's just food. Like, Mm -hmm. people make this big deal about, oh, vegan or not. Oh, vegetarian or not. It's just food. Mm -hmm. It's simply just food. So you're not going to eat collard greens just because it grew out the ground because you hate vegans. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. If the greens are good, you're going to eat it. As long as the food is good, people are going to eat it. It doesn't matter if it has a certain label on it. You know what I'm saying? Unless it's like... You know, you, you say, okay, these are uh, baby back ribs, and then you bite into it, and then it's like tofu or something. Right. You know, you can't be out here trying to trick people. Mm-hmm. So we don't, make, we don't do fake meats when we make our, our dishes for people. Uh, we don't do any of that stuff. We make real food that tastes good. That's mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And it's not really surprising, especially when you, when Danny, you would know this coming from a, a, a Caribbean background, a lot of the dishes that you eat in the Caribbean are vegetable-based. hmm And there's a reason behind that. When they were growing up on these farms, they had to make this food taste good. Mm-hmm. They had to make the vegetables taste good. They had to make the potatoes and all this stuff taste good. And they, at least from my experience, because both of my parents, um, their, their parents, my grandparents were farmers. The cows, the chickens, the goats, what have you, those were their high-ticket items. So they had to sell them.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: If they got a piece of meat from any of those goats or those cows, et cetera, it was small. And we're talking about eight kids. And there are eight kids on both sides of that, Or well, both grandparents, maybe eight children. So um, so you had to stretch that. So the meat was in there for flavor.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Now, look at the way a lot of our, Asian people eat today. So you're talking Koreans, Chinese, Japanese. They don't eat big pounds of meat. So... When we're talking about this backlash against vegans or being pro-meat eating, people really today consume weight entirely too much meat, consuming quarter pound, whole pound of, like, beef, chicken, what have you.
1: Mm. I need need my proteins for my gains, though. What what am I going to do about that? Nah, I'm...
3: The average person is only gaining only gaining pounds,
1: not right. muscle. Right, right, right. So let's let's talk about you know before the transition to Atlanta. You know, you you were starting a business up here, and you alluded earlier to the cooking class, and and not you know people not signing up or not paying for the class. I know you know I did wasn't even aware of the business. I ran into you at an event, and <laughs> so you and Monica catering. I was like, oh, what's going on here? You know, so.
3: Oh, yeah, I don't even remember the event, but uh, I'll take your word for it, man. Listen, man, (laughs) well, you know, like I touched on earlier, the uh, like our first class was free. Then we decided to make a paid class. We did this all on Facebook. These are the early stages. We didn't really have much online presence. So that was a factor, too. Mm -hmm. So we kind of relied on word of mouth and relied on friends and things of the sort. Um, it didn't happen. Well, I would say we did buy, we did sell one ticket, but that was from a friend out of town. She just felt sorry for us. But uh, <laughs> outside of that, uh, we, so after that, we had to retool because we had moved from our um, our first apartment and um, and then we actually got a space where we could cook. So we, we started, I'll even rewind before that, we made a partnership with uh, a company called House of Juice. Mm-hmm. Uh, who's currently in Brook? who's currently in Brooklyn at the moment? Um, the, it's a husband and wife team as well. So we were two husband and wife teams working together So this they were They are a um, a brewery a brewery and juicery They started off making like smoothies and juices uh, super healthy and things like that and um, But they've always wanted to make beer and um, so they make beer now they make custom beers they still do juicing. They still do um, kombucha and things of that sort. And uh, we started to do the food for them in certain events that they would hold. And that was for like a three-month period. It, it was that, that helped us learn how to cook under pressure. Uh, that helped us. That got us into the restaurant business without having like a head chef above us. Although the husband and wife, they worked in restaurants, so there are certain things they showed us. They showed us how to cost out food, Uh, they went to NYU for specifically, specifically for, uh, education in like running restaurants, businesses and, um, and bars and things like that. So whatever education they got, we got pretty much for free, but we weren't, they weren't paying us. So we did that pro bono and we got the education, but we still, you know, outside of that had to put our skills to use, you know, me being a photographer, my wife, my wife doing, um, graphic design and fashion design and things like that. So we're freelancing at the time, trying to figure things out, you know, uh, trying to figure out what school our daughter's going to go to, trying to figure out how we're going to pay the rent, all mm. this stuff. So all of these things are happening simultaneously. We, there's no investors going into the business or anything like that. We, we had to build up our cachet, so to speak. Mm. Um, from there, you know, other people will say, Hey, there's this event going on. You should check it out. Brooklyn borough hall is doing this, um, Hip Hop is Green event. Hip Hop, New York City Hip Hop is Green, is a company that worked with Brooklyn Borough Hall, and they did this like all vegan night where they had different vegan businesses come through, and they we had a, there was a contest with that, and uh, we won the contest, so, so we beat out the other person. Mm-hmm. So that was a big deal too. And um, after that, that same company, Hip Hop mm-hmm. is Green, had an event at Juices for Life, mm-hmm. which is owned by Styles P. Um, Angela Yee and DJ Envy from Breakfast Club, and uh, we went to that event, and you know we got our word out through there too. Mm-hmm. So a lot of that built up to the cook to the current cooking classes that we had today, uh, not today, but we had uh, uh, two years ago, a year to two years ago, and uh, from there, that's when that's when our word really started to get out, and then we got into we, get, and then you know uh, my my daughter went to school called Little Maroons in Brooklyn. It's famously known as African-centered uh, daycare. But once you're a little maroon, you're a little maroon for life.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: And uh, so the parents are, I guess you could say, the big maroons. But a lot of those parents are very influential people within the community in Brooklyn. So that's when we built our community. Mm-hmm. That's when those certain people, and those and they told certain people, and those certain people told other people. And that that's how we started to build our uh, our audience and really a lot of it came through word of mouth man some of it came through the through the internet and social media but mostly through word of mouth and um and then from there once we did our first cooking class that sold out
4: mm-hmm.
3: uh, our first class sold out second class sold out third i think we probably were short one because somebody canceled uh the fourth I think probably didn't do, go so well because we didn't get to market in time. But anytime we had the time to market and do our thing to to promote our business and sell the classes, it always sold out. So then we were on a roll. The problem with that was we knew we were moving. Since 2014, we pretty much knew. Since we got the, the two weeks after we got to our first apartment in Brooklyn, we were paying we were paying uh, an exorbitant price for rent. We were like, man, we can't do this. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, we, we'll either have to leave the state or leave the country. Uh, the, the Leaving the country will be the next step. Uh, but that's another story for the, the, And then, you know, we had a shared kitchen space as well. Mm. Brownstone. And people, and there's another business, there are other businesses there, and they like what we were doing. So, again, more word of mouth. No, of mouth.
1: no I really like I, like, I just like you communicating that, you know, especially for the audience, a key takeaway was the word of mouth, especially... You're showing showing your perspective is, hey, we had an online presence, but the fact of the matter, it wasn't the online presence that was really getting the audience. It was our building through our network, through our community, the word of mouth, the referral, you know, especially in today's day. And I can, you know, even for me, because my background, a lot of work I do is online and stuff, but, you know, I'll be the first to admit it's not the end all be all. You can still create successful businesses that isn't necessarily uh, has a high digital present or or, or, or you know, paying for all these ads and things like that. It's, you know, the referral and word of mouth will be to add on any given day.
3: So before we even got here, we came to visit in July 18th. And we knew we had to build with community down here. So that's the first thing we did when we hit the ground. We came July 4th weekend. We did not care if certain people were open or not. So, it, so we, if it wasn't on July 4th, we went July 5th. We spent two weeks here, and um, we hit up all the people that we knew were of influence. Mm-hmm. And we got to talking. We got to talking. And um, those those are relationships that we hold to this day. Mm-hmm. So you know, most people, uh, a lot of black people know famously, there's a vegan restaurant here in Atlanta called Slutty Vegan. Uh, they just opened their second location in Jonesboro. That's uh, That would be, I think it's South Atlanta. And uh, we don't know that sister, but we know the person who put her on. Mm-hmm. She, the, so she made. She used to work out of a shared kitchen as well. And uh, she said to her, uh, "Once I do a video doing a review of your burger, you're gonna blow up." And uh, that same sister, her name is Demetria Purnell. She owns a company called First Batch Artisan Foods here in Atlanta. She does ice creams, pies. She does meal delivery as well. She does meal prep as well, especially now during COVID. She, knows she's killing right now. Um, she's had our food. He invited her to her to our house.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Like we got to get our food in front of this system. And she has the video. She has the pictures. She's just waiting for us to be able to. Be able to take on the amount of people that have come our way. Got it. When she gives us the cosign, so she was one of the first. She was the last person, actually, that we saw before we left Atlanta, before we left for our visit to Atlanta in twenty in July twenty eighteen.
1: So I, I would like to do a check in. Do we have a check in on um, status of Miss Monica? Hey, Monica. Hi. Uh, how are you doing?
3: Thank
4: you for
1: having me. All right. Now, I know, you know, we had to kind of separate it due to family uh, dynamics and, and what's going on right now, which is totally fine. Uh, we kind of just wanted to get your perspective. Under, you know, how? what was your thoughts around how, you know, you got started? What was your process as well? We definitely heard Jason give the perspective of, you know, you... Being a fashion designer and transitioning and, and transitioning to veganism and, and starting that business. So we just kind of wanted to hear your story from your word, you know, from your mouth. How did that come about? All
4: right. Um, sure. So I have my degree mm-hmm. uh, in fashion design I was, and I concentrated in knitwear. So I um, was employed in the fashion industry for about 10 years. Um, and then during that time, you know, I was suffering from many different health ailments Um, asthma, uh, we have repeated, you know, sinus infections every year. I repeated like visits to the ER every year. Um, and I also had, um, really bad reflux and I was taking all kinds of different medications to manage some of the chronic, you know, health challenges that I was going through. And, um, after I gave birth to our daughter, I, um, was hospitalized. Uh, About two weeks postpartum, I was hospitalized um, for a week. And I was hooked up to an IV. They wouldn't let me eat or drink anything. And they were telling me I had something called diverticulitis. Um, For anyone who has, you know, elderly family members, this is something that usually affects elderly people. But they were telling me that I had diverticulitis, which was basically, I had a perforation in my digestive tract. And so they wanted to give my digestive tract, I guess, a rest so they wouldn't let me eat or drink anything.
2: Wow. Blue my with- first hearing that, sorry, to cut you off. No, it's my first hearing of that was uh, the UFC rest, uh fighter, Brock Lesnar. So it's interesting that assault. I didn't really even realize it was an old, um, older person uh, ailment. So that's interesting. Yeah.
4: So it usually doesn't really affect younger people um and so when they told me that i was like wait what like i eat i thought i ate lots of fiber um, usually diverticulitis is due to a low fiber diet um and so you have um you know waste that just doesn't process through the way it should and it can create pressure and perforations in the digestive tract so this is what they were telling me that i had they wanted to they tried to pressure me into surgery um i decided to get a second opinion I had a scan, another scan done, and was told that I did not have diverticulitis. Um, And as we know, as people of color, oftentimes we get misdiagnosed. We we, um, get pressured into uh, medical treatments um, that are unnecessary, unneeded, um, and we're oftentimes not listened to. So, you know, I had to really fight to avoid surgery. And I ended up going to a black physician. He did a scan. He said, there was no perforation found so I was like okay well I don't still don't know why you know I ended up suffering you know this episode because it was excruciating pain um, when I ended up in the ER and so um, I think that it did have something to do with my digestive tract but it wasn't what they said so you know I started trying to eat more fiber you know trying to consume more liquids but I was still suffer from you know a lot of other health ailments and so I was telling my husband, Jason, you know, I don't know what's wrong with me, but I need to talk to somebody and figure out, I need to make a change. Um, so he was like, well, you know, Queen of Afua lives right up the street. I was like, queen who? <laughs> and so he told me all about Queen of Afua. Um, he was like, you should just walk up there. So this was at the time, we lived in Crown Heights at the time. So this was after I got out of the hospital, um, you know, went back to life as normal. Like I said, so when you told me, you know, just just walk up there, probably just, you know, let you in. So I was like, all right, well, what's the worst that could happen? So, you know, came out the apartment, literally walked to the middle of the block between my block and the next block. Uh, rang the bell. Um, somebody answered the door and, you know, they they had me come in and actually had Queen of Four come down. Now They don't do that anymore. I wouldn't suggest anybody. <laughs> Go rolling up to Queen of Fools' house at this. People point, know where she lives. Because people know where she lives. They're not gonna let you in, but this was 20, 2012, 20, yeah, 2012. Uh, you know, just they were more open, I guess, to to people walking up to the space. So I was able to actually sit with her and she was able to link a lot of my chronic uh, health challenges with my diet. And so she encouraged me to do a detox. Um, I had never done a detox before i'd never taken herbs really before um so she encouraged me to do a 21 day fast slash detox um because i was nursing it had to be modified um in terms of the types of herbs that i could take but the diet um was all plant-based and it was mostly uh live or what people say raw um and then there were some cooked foods and within the 21 day period i saw basically all of the ailments that i had clear up started to clear up and i was like i said i was nursing at the time my daughter my daughter had like eczema patches on her skin so many of the toxins that were in my body were coming out through my breast milk and so she was receiving those toxins, so her skin was having a reaction from the toxins that were in my body. After the detox, you know, she her skin cleared up, so she has had an eczema patch flare-up since. I have not had to visit an ER for any health ailments since. And so I was like, that was the proof was in the pudding. I was like, you know what, Jay, I know you're vegetarian and all, but uh, I think we need to go do this thing, like go all the way in and be vegan. And he was like, all right. So, <laughs> how we transitioned into veganism, where people go veganism. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's just been one step at a time. So, like I said, I started in the fashion industry, um, went through different transitions and changes in the fashion industry. But because I had transitioned to a plant-based diet, uh, working in the garment district, there aren't any plant-based options. I would often bring my food to work. Right. And, you know... People are nosy, because everybody's used to going out, taking their lunch hour, going around the corner to wherever, wherever, and getting their food. So because I brought my food, I was like the, the outlier. And oh my gosh, you make food, So da, da 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 So um, once I transitioned, the last transition um, from my last job, I was just like, yeah, I don't really want to work in this industry anymore. So, you know, what can oh. I do? Now, Jason and I, we had discussed going into business. So I had brought it up, us going into business with each other. And he didn't quite think it was a, be a good idea for what I suggested at the time, which was, you know, combining my fashion skills with his photography skills. And, you know, he didn't he didn't quite feel like that would be the best route for us to take. He, he was like, "Well, let's try it out. You know, let's 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 check it out. Let's try it out and see what what can happen." And so we we did it. Um, and the way it happened was, um, he. Jason went to an event and did a demo, and he loved, he had a rolling cart, and he just loved the stuff to do this demo. (laughs) How the business got started. (laughs) Caribbean's and tech uh, event. It wasn't even about food. That's so, that's
1: where that Jason. Just for a reminder, that's the event where I saw you. And I was like, "What was going on here?" So okay, that's how that was. So that event was your actual first business event. Then
4: our first event was a Caribbean's in Tech event. Shout out to um, Georgie mm-hmm. uh, and uh, for you know being so open to you know something that had nothing to do with tech, but feeling like you know what, this brother's out here. You know, you know we people eat. Let's, you know, give him a platform, give him some exposure, whatever. Um, From there, uh, we were interviewed uh, through a a newspaper publication, a Caribbean newspaper publication um, from that event that rolled over into being interviewed for a paper. Um, And so, you know, we just, we started vending, which in hindsight, it wasn't quite the route that,
3: most beneficial.
4: Right. It wasn't the most beneficial for our business model.
1: Could you so, explain, could you explain bending for our audience just so they
3: clarify?
4: Absolutely. Before
3: she goes to that, um, as you see, the story is different for her as it is for me of course. because there's members it's things. I remember we've had so much change within the past four years within our family dynamic and things like that, that certain things I kind of put out my memory. <laughs> and certain things she's put out her memory, so it always helps to have us together. But please continue. So that that's another, that's just another uh quip about couples in business who are uh, doing interviews with you.
4: It's like if you ask us our our marriage story, you're gonna have differences in memory, uh, and process and how things came together. For the, your question was, um you know, or you asked me to explain what vending is, so. Um, for anyone who goes to a public event where you see people setting up booths or some sort of table and they're selling their wares or they're selling food, that's what vending is. So you are a vendor. You have to pay money to set up in the space. You have to put out all of the um, the front-end resources, financial resources, to purchase products, to purchase supplies, to purchase your marketing um, to pay for your marketing on social media, um, you have to pay for all of your raw goods and materials, and you have to. And if you're a food business, you're prepping food for you know an expected number of bodies that would be in you know frequenting in the space or moving through the space, and you're guesstimating um, that they will be hungry and that they will want to come and purchase your food specifically. Now, if you're one vendor out of 20, you're less likely to generate, um, to turn over the um, the type of, of revenue that you put in. And even if you are the sole food vendor, the people just might not necessarily want to purchase food from you. They might just want to come in there and purchase their earrings or whatever. So we were, you know, people think that, See the the vendor game is very beneficial for the event host because they're receiving all of the capital um, from each person that's coming into vent. But for the business owner, it's a very risky business um, venture,
3: especially for a new business.
4: Especially for a new business because you're you're bootstrapping. If you don't have um, you know angel investment investing funds or um, you know resources from a pool of family and friends if you're just bootstrapping it which is what we were doing in the beginning of business, which is what we're still doing with our business um all of that money is coming out of money that you generate either working at another job or uh, working as an independent contractor or from some other business you're taking those um, financial resources and you're funneling them into this other business venture and so it's very risky because you're not guaranteed to um, to turn over what you put in and to to, to recuperate the, and uh, turn a profit. You're lucky if you break even. And so we did that for a little while until I was like, we're not vending anymore. Like, I don't wanna do another vending event. If we're gonna do so, we have to change how we approach this business structure because we are literally bleeding red every single time we do an event because it depending on the space it, it it's, there's a few factors the space could be a factor how your position in the space could be a factor your visibility all of that um, so there's many different factors as to why people are, are not successful when they vend um, but I will say this for a new business is a very very risky um, it's a very risky way to to launch a business and to try to sustain a business. Vending is great once you already have an established customer base, once you already have a very large following and then all you have to do is then put the the word out on social media and then you're more than likely to have your followers show up to that event specifically just for you. A business advice for anyone who's thinking of starting um a business and you know saying like yeah, I'm just going to show up and vend it, especially
1: for food, it's not really lucrative. Mm, very good. No, this that was very insightful. Thank you for that. Um, speaking of, you know, just the process of vending and the funding, Could you speak a little bit more to, you know, just the, I guess the balance in that, right? Because you, you're you a working mother, business owner, with your husband, that, like all of those, that's a lot of dynamics coming in here.
4: <laughs> we always got dynamics. <laughs> that Hell, is the age-old tale of the black
1: woman.
4: Oh. <laughs> so, all I can say to that is that as Black women, we don't have any choice but to wear mini hats and, mm-hmm. and um, secure financial freedom for our families. As Black women, we've never had a choice as to whether we're going to work or not work. So it really boils down to do you want to work for someone else for the rest of your life or do you want to try to work for yourself and to create intergenerational wealth and resources for your children? for the the future generations coming after you Hmm. so that process really forces you to become super organized um when you add on the hat of becoming a business owner on top of mother wife uh i also homeschool our our daughter um so i'm teacher um you know, all of the things. I'm also, you know, a graphic designer. So, you know, I design, I do all of the the marketing, all Mm -hmm. of the social media, like posts that you see that that's like a a graphics related thing, our logo. I designed that, I created that. Um, Those are my skills that I transferred, was able to transfer over from the fashion streets because um, as a knitwear designer, you know, you're creating everything from scratch. So, you know, you're creating graphics and patterns to be imprinted on, you know, a sweater fabric, so it's it's different. My skill set had to be different, but even though I'm not you, you, I'm not in the fashion industry anymore, I was able to take those skills and transfer them over to my business. So I don't feel like it was a waste or a loss, you know, going into the fashion industry because I I gained certain skills and I taught myself a lot of things. So um, so sorry to, for the tangent, but mm-hmm. um, as a you know black woman you have to prioritize as a as a a woman you have to prioritize you're juggling you know things throughout the day um you're shifting and you have to be fluid um and flexible which i have challenge with (laughs) (laughs) i'm very type a jason is not, um but we complement each other because where he's a little bit more um able to go with the flow he helps me in those areas where i'm rigid he, he's less rigid. Mm-hmm. So he needs structure. I'm able to provide that structure. So uh, our personalities work in harmony to create something really special because when people see us, they, one, identify with us because we're Black. Two, they identify with us because we're married. Um, three, they they um, identify with us because we're a family. We're a family business. So when we do our, you know, cooking classes, we've been doing um, a weekly, you know, free cooking class on IG Live every Sunday at 5 p.m. for the past two months, pretty much while people have been quarantined and, you know, sheltering in place, you know, we decided that this would be our gift and our offering, our love offering to the people, you know, to the internet, to the people in the community, you know, who used to attend our classes when we were living in Brooklyn you know, people were coming out and attending our cooking classes once a month, and it was a thing. It was becoming so much of a thing that, you know, we started getting DM'd by certain celebrities, like, yeah, I'm, look, I'm thinking of coming to your class, um, and we would get hit up, you know, by certain other, you know, celebrity entities, like, hey, would you like to come in, um, you know, create some dishes and become the private chef to such and such family, mm-hmm. you know, so there were things that were happening in New York, but we knew we needed to shift and transition. So people, you know, they identify with us for all of those different things and ways. And we utilize, you know, our differences in personality, our differences in our approach, uh, you know, our differences in, in our our perspective. Mm-hmm. And we're able to to bridge those things because of our love for each other and our respect for each other. So, you, you know, like in a marriage, in business, you can't do nothing without respect. You know, respect comes first. So, you know, Jason and I respect each other. We may not always agree. You know, I may have an idea and he's like, I'm not really feeling that, but he respects me enough and he trusts me enough that he's willing to, like, try it out. Why is this business is so important to me is because I want to impact, uh, you know, maternal health in a more positive way mm-hmm. because I've... In the the uh, the delivery room i've been in the operating room i've been in the recovery room i've been in the homes of women recovering you mm-hmm. know from pregnancy and postpartum really? depletion is real mm-hmm. you know postpartum depletion is where a mother can you know lose her life because she's, yeah. she's done so much right she's given so much nutritionally to a child and the child is gonna take what they need, but if a mom is not replenishing those nutrients, if she doesn't have a balanced diet, it's going to affect her. It's gonna affect her in a multitude of different ways. So, um, this business is not just for me and just for Jason. You know, there's mm-hmm. more to than just making money or just showing people, you know, like, hey, you could cook your collard greens without the ham high. You know what I mean? Yeah,
1: definitely, definitely. Oh, thank you. Thank you for sharing that and just, you know, sharing that experience. And this is what the show is about anyway. You know, the behind the scenes, not just the glitz and glam and, you know, the biz, the the uh, romanticizing of business and business culture. Right. So, you know, I know you, you uh, we're going to wrap it up soon because I'm, I know you your situation at home right now, the kids and the family. But, you know, we just want to kind of end. Usually we end off with just two questions, you know, kind of asking you know, what is one of the biggest myths about entrepreneurship that you're like, that don't believe the hype around? And, you know, is there anything that you wish you would have known before you even, you got into it and started?
2: And I'm going to add a little asterisk to that question, Danny. Okay, go As ahead. a couple, started a couple as a business. This is a special edition of that question for y'all. So
3: <laughs> I don't think there, I, this, and this is my perspective, I would say I don't think there's anything I wish I knew because... You could take a bunch of classes on business. You could take this and that. And there's certain things that you could pull from that that uh, education from a class. That uh, But it, there's nothing that compares to doing business itself. Uh-huh. Business classes only teach you theory. But the only way you truly learn how to do business is by actually trying to do it. It's mm-hmm. trial and error. So there's nothing. So I could have read all the books in the world and taking all the classes in the world. And still nothing would have taught me or prepared me for what I experienced, what's going through the process of business. Mm. Um, so no, there's nothing that I really kind of wish I knew because, again, nothing prepares you. It's just like a, as being a photographer. Uh, I, I'm not a traditional photographer where I went to school and learned how to shoot. I learned you know, on site, in the flesh, getting in people's faces, uh, networking, so on and so forth. That's what taught me. You know, much of it was repetition and experience. So that, that's that's just my answer. That's my perspective.
4: I would say this. I wish I knew more about find the financial planning of business mm-hmm. prior to, you know, because there are fees. You know, when you go into business, you have to register your business. There are fees for if you want to copyright your your logo, your name, uh, register and trademark. You know, those are all. Things that, you know, I wish that we knew and that we had the capital prepped and prepared for because you can go into business and establish a brand. And then, you know, if it's not registered, if it's not trademarked, you know, if it's not copyrighted, you know, you could run into some challenges, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, you, so you just got to like go with a wing and a prayer. So I wish I knew a little bit more about the, the financial piece preparation financial piece um <laughs> so I think that that would be one of the biggest things. Um, but I feel as a couple I don't in terms of as a couple our business has brought us closer together mm-hmm. as a couple. Um, we've grown tremendously in our respects and love uh, for each other in our marriage because we went into business with each other. Um, whereas business has can tear some marriages okay. apart, it's brought us actually closer together. And I think that my husband, in hindsight, like my husband was absolutely right. I think that if we did try to do the fashion photography thing, I don't think it would have melded and meshed as well as food has.
3: Um, because we were both so headstrong, both. Right. Prior.
4: <laughs> right. And it's like, you're not going to tell me about that. About <laughs> photography. You know what I mean? Well, I'm not going to So, but with food, we both come from, you know, my father's a chef, you know, and and his father's a chef. And
3: so we both come from like long lines of
4: cooks. We come from long lines of people that burn, you know, in the kitchen. So even though we're taking all of those generational gems and being able to apply it in a a new way. Mm -hmm. uh, Oh, we've really benefited from that.
1: Very happy to hear that. Uh, and I, I guess I did ask about, you know, the common myth about entrepreneurship, but I kind of feel like.
4: Jeez, about entrepreneurship, that you're going to get in and, you know, you if you have the perfect business plan and you have the perfect, you know, advisor, you went to business school, and you, that you're just going to walk into business and you're going to be successful or you're going to end up on Shark Tank, you know? And somebody's <laughs> going to for your yeah, like, nah, it's like, you gotta really be willing to, to put boots to the ground day in and day out when everybody's sleep, mm-hmm. you know, at the same time, the common myth too, is that you gotta make yourself crazy and kill yourself too, in order to be successful at business. And I feel like people don't have enough balance, any mm-hmm. balance in doing business because self care is a must, and so you, you, yeah, did, you might become, you know, mm-hmm. a dark, but what did you lose? How many years of your life did you shorten because you were just so, you know, the 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 myth of I gotta I gotta sacrifice everything and in my including my body, including my mental health, right, to be successful, to be a Fortune five hundred, you know, um, business owner. I think that that's a myth. And I think that everyone's business journey is different, and you can't model your business based on somebody else's success.
1: All right, no, thank you, thank you for those uh, parting words, Sean. Sean, did you have something?
2: No, um, I think that was great, and I love what you said about you know putting in the work.
1: Yeah this this is this has been a, a great you know episode i, I really uh, appreciate the time that you're sharing with us and even you know the baby you know the background is swapping out the family like this is this is a real real look on what it takes you know that all the behind the scenes stuff that goes into you know starting a business and creating and sustaining a business so appreciate it all Pre- appreciate the babies the background is <laughs> swapping out the air the audio that's why, bro that's why i didn't want to cancel because
3: i'm like look this is what it is. Right. It's like, yeah, I could, but th- there's always something.
1: Right. Exactly. Exactly. We, we definitely appreciate and thank you for your time. We'll let you get back to your family. Enjoy the rest of your evening. Thank uh, you, guys. Oh, no problem. You have a good evening. Good night. All right. All,
3: right. All, right. All right. We'll talk offline.
1: Yeah, we'll talk for sure. All right. All right all right so that's a wrap on this week's episode if you have a question you would like us to answer on the show shoot us a message or send us a voice note on any of our social media channels or you can shoot us an email at questions at businessgrindshow.com also if you like the information we're providing please share with your friends see you again soon and in the meantime
0: keep grinding the business grind is for entertainment purposes opinions expressed are those solely of the host and guests Please consult with a professional and exercise discretion before engaging in any business
2: endeavors.
3: I'm out here on the grind, I'm out here on the grind.